Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Airway First, a podcast from the Children's Airway First Foundation. I'm your host, Rebecca St. James. My guest today is Angie Weber. Angie is the mom of twins, a wife, a podcast host, and is the creator of the Parent Toolbox. On a mission to break generational cycles, Angie has taken her knowledge of natural products and the therapeutic techniques she learned through her own healing journey to provide parents with more tools and tricks for their parenting toolbox. You can find out more about Angie at theparenttoolbox.info. And now let's jump into my interview with Angie Weber. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Angie. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm so honored to be on here and to be able to hopefully share some really great tips with your listeners. So thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Before we dig in, and I, and I do want to start with your personal journey, just so everybody understands, but I don't think, and we were talking about this earlier, for most people, this is going to be a real obvious connection to what we do with airway and sleep-related disorders for children. But what drew me to you was um, when I found you and your website, I started thinking about, um, you know, we've had a campaign where we've talked about, it's back there, um, the impact of airway and sleep disorders on children. You know, it's, it's, it is physiological. You know, there is a brain component to it and there is an emotional component to it that you know, people just don't realize. You go through this and it just kind of beats you down. Um, you know, speaking as somebody that lives with an airway disorder, it beats you down. You know, when you have to go back to the doctor, you have to go back for treatments and do this and that. And, and then, you know, not only that, which I know, so we'll be touching on that, but as parents of children with airway and sleep disorders, you mean, you just feel like you're on this island by yourself. You know, what do you do? How do you help your children? What's the right reaction? How do I help myself? You know, so that's really what we're going to be talking about today, just so parents kind of understand where we're coming from. So let's jump in. And I would like to start with your own personal story and your journey that has led you to your website and your podcast, of which we'll put links all throughout our show notes. Awesome. Yeah. So my journey really started because I was trying to heal from some trauma that had happened in my life a few years ago. And I was, you know, using some of the tools that I still share and I was going to therapy, you know, pretty regularly, but I just felt like there was a piece missing and it really came in to me, I think in the summer of 2021, when I was like, there's something wrong within me and I need to do the hard work, unfortunately, to fix it because it's not going to be anything anyone else says or does that's going to be able to fix that. I have to figure out how to do this myself. And being a more holistic person too, I was trying to avoid, if possible, medication on my journey. And so one of my girlfriends actually introduced me to this thought of doing an outpatient intensive treatment program. And uh, typically when we think of a treatment program, we think like, oh, you went for drugs or alcohol or something like that. But this program actually was specifically for anxiety, depression, and PTSD. And so when they say it was intense, it was. 
it was the hardest thing, the scariest thing I've ever done. And I was just talking to my husband last night about it, actually. And it was the absolute best thing that I could have done. I learned so many foundational pieces that were just unfortunately not taught on how to manage our emotions and our mental health and really figuring out like how all of this is interconnected within our body and our mind. And so Mm -hmm. I just started using so many of these tools and they were making such a difference not only in my life but also in my kids life and i was like oh my gosh more people need to know about this so Mm -hmm. since 2018 i have been educating full-time about essential oils and helping people make more positive healthy choices in their homes and so i did a class called the parent toolbox And it really brought together these therapeutic techniques that I had learned and also these more holistic options that we can kind of pair together because I just really wanted to share the information and give people some resources and tools that they could be using to see good results as well. And after the class, so many parents said to me, well, why aren't we taught this before? Like, why aren't they sharing this in schools when we're younger? Or even moms Mm -hmm. who were empty nesters that said, I really wish I would have had these tools when my kids were younger because Mm -hmm. I think they probably thought all I did was yell. And so that was, (laughs) you know, which I think a lot of us can can relate to. And that's never the thoughts that you want to have when you think back on your parenting journey or, you know, Mm -hmm. you assume that your kids, that's all they remember when most of the time it's not. I mean, if you ask the kids, you know, we went on, we went camping a couple weekends ago and I definitely got pushed to like my limit at some points. And I later talked to my kids and said, you know, I'm sorry, mom and dad got frustrated and, you know, we're kind of cranky. And my daughter's like, what are you talking about? You know, so (laughs) thankfully kids are pretty, pretty graceful for us more than they probably should be. Um, But that was kind of the whole start of this is I just felt this need to get this information out there. And so I say that I really am on a mission to break these generational parenting cycles. And I don't say that to put shame on any generation before us. It's just that they did the best with the tools that they had. But that doesn't mean we have to carry those tools with us on our own parenting journey. Right. And And I will tell you, it's funny, your your mantra or your mission to break those generational cycles is one of the first things that grabbed me. Um, We've all had stuff growing up, right? And so we all, it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Um, But it's interesting because, you know, in listening to some of, some of your podcasts, there are things that, you know, you talk about, we got to get rid of this guilt, this mom Mm. guilt. Um, Because I'll tell you what, I've carried it. All moms carry it. Right. And it's just, you know, to what extent, and I think part of it is, you know, because there are moments where you catch yourself and you can hear your mom's voice coming out of you and you go, oh, no, I don't want to say that. Um, so I think that's, I think it's fantastic. And it is something that, like you said, don't have guilt. We don't know. Uh, and we say this a lot on this podcast, you know, especially you medical professionals come in and we're talking about different diagnoses and things. And you know, we could have seen some of these airway issues earlier and we didn't catch them, but we didn't know. Mm-hmm. So to me, this falls in the same bucket. You're right. No one teaches this stuff growing up. Mm-hmm. They don't teach you in home ec. They don't teach you in any other class in school. They don't teach you in the, the baby classes. They teach you what to do with the baby, but not, you know, not how to do this. So let's just, let's start with some basics out of the gate. Yeah. Um, because one of the things that parents deal with stress and anxiety that comes with all of this, mm-hmm. right? Both for their children and for themselves. You know, your, your, your kid is, you've just figured out, wow, your, your child has a breathing 
disorder, the dysfunction of some kind, and you're working with a myofunctional therapist, maybe, or they just had the tongue tie release or whatever mm-hmm. your particular situation is. And it's stressful for the, for the child. And it's all these different emotions that are floating through them. And then as a parent, now you're dealing with it. What are some tools that, that we could use just as parents to calm and, and kind of center and ground ourselves or with our children? Yeah, well, there's so many. And I just kind of want to make a caveat that when we do this work, and a lot of the parents that I work with, you know, of course, they come and want to do like parent coaching with me, because they're like, my kid is doing this or that, or, you know, they're having this behavior, how can I what can I do to fix that? When in reality, a lot of the times it's that unfortunately we have to reparent ourselves because like you said, sometimes we hear those things come out of our mouth that we just like instantly want to grab back because we're like, Oh no, that's my mom coming out or that's my dad coming out. And I said, I'd never Mm -hmm. do that. And so we were really, a lot of us grew up being like suppressing our emotions. So we Mm -hmm. were told, don't cry. Don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal. Why are you upset? You shouldn't be so angry whatever it was that you heard. Mm -hmm. And again, not guilt from our parents, but what that did is kind of like put a stop at us tuning into our own body. And instead of sitting in that uncomfortable feeling, we want to shove it down. And exactly, we don't really want to deal with it. So then when we come into situations where we're stressed out, we're probably going more towards what I like to call survival resources. So those are ways that we're just numbing out and trying to avoid versus trying to address the emotions that are coming up, especially when it comes around stress. And for your listeners in their situation, you know, I can't even imagine like having to go through so many different medical hoops and doctors. And I know that that also brings a layer of, you know, having to advocate for yourself and for your child. And that can be so challenging in the medical world um, as a mom. And so Mm -hmm. the biggest tool that I really like to educate my parents on is called the window of tolerance. And so there's some great videos out there. It was coined by Dan Siegel. He's a clinical professor. Um, He explains it really well. I like to kind of break it down into more of a childlike version, just so it's a little easier to kind of understand. So I always tell people, pretend that you're standing straight, you know, in front of a window you're standing confident, everything's good. When you're like that, this is where we're in our sweet spot of emotions. When we're thriving, we're able to communicate, we're able to receive. And so if you're standing in front of that window, you can see that the grass is green and you can see the sun shining and you can hear the birds chirping and you can smell, you know, the dew on the grass or whatever it is like that's again, where we're thriving. Now there's little things that are going to happen throughout our day, right? Because otherwise it'd be pretty mom boring. Um, You know, so maybe your kid forgets their lunch or they spilled a glass of milk or, you know, you forgot something on the counter and you're on your way to work already. Like those little things happen. But what we really want to start paying attention to and start observing is when are we starting to get outside that sweet spot of emotions? And so there's two extremes that you can go to. You can go to hyper arousal, which I like to call high activation and compare that to if you were bouncing off the ceiling. So this is kind of our fight or flight mode. If you're Mm -hmm. bouncing off the ceiling, you're not going to be able to exactly tell what's going on outside that window because you're going to be moving too fast. Mm-hmm. The other extreme, we can be in hypoarousal or what I like to call low activation, which is our freeze mode. And that's like as if you were laying on the floor underneath the window, you're not really going to be able to see anything going out that way either. So right what we can do is we can start tuning into our body so that we can be more proactive when these situations these triggers and these emotions come up and we can start kind of taking a pause and saying 
you know, what are my thoughts like right now? What kind of emotions are coming up? What kind of body sensations? What kind of body movement or urges am I having right now? Are any of my five senses dulled or are they heightened? And so we just start really kind of trusting our body to give us these cues and really listening to our intuition. And that's usually mm -hmm. the first step. And like I said, unfortunately, we have to do this for ourselves before we can expect our children to do it because mm -hmm. they are like little sponges and yeah. they will show us the best and worst parts of ourselves based on what they see. And so we really need to be practicing it before we can expect our kids to be practicing it. But once we start identifying those things, like let's say that it's in the morning and your child gets very anxious and stressed out in the morning and it's because you have to go to school or to daycare or wherever it is you know if you really step back and kind of start observing maybe it's because you're trying to fit too much into a 20-minute window maybe that's the frustration that's happening maybe we need to lengthen mm. that by 10 minutes you know so okay. we can start kind of identifying these little things and we can also start using more healthy safe resources or coping skills so that's breathing essential oils um, for anger, I love actually to talk about anger because I think it gets a really bad reputation where no feelings or emotions are bad. Everyone mm -hmm. has them. And so yes. when it comes to anger, for example, we don't have to bottle it up where we might just burst at the seams at some point. We can do things like push against a wall, scream into a wind, uh, into a pillow, um, stomp as hard as you can outside on the ground. Um, maybe you play the drums on the couch. Like there's so many little things that we can do to help release that energy and help us get back into that sweet spot of emotions um, instead of just trying to bottle them up, which is going to do more damage to your nervous system and possibly create more stress down the line. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And especially that part about anger, that is such a misnomer. And again, like you said, yeah. it's what we were taught. I can't, you take it, you squish it down, but it does come out at the worst time. And I think, as, as you said, you know, with, with kids, that was one of the first things I noticed as a parent was to see that come back to me mm -hmm. where I would watch my children squish it down all these things. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, wow, that's not good. But it's like you said, you have to kind of figure it out for yourself before you can mirror it and then help them process. Yeah. 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 It's just, yeah. And again, it's not, it's not a mom guilt. It's no. just, we didn't know we, it's, it's how we were raised. So how, exactly. how are you going to know? How are you going to know? Exactly. And it does, and it does have, as you mentioned, this kind of, it does have physiological impacts throughout your body, mm -hmm. um, which I, I, I do want to mention. Um, you, there is a podcast that um, I will put a link to in here um, where it talks about, um, and I apologize, I cannot remember her name, but I will find it, put a link to it because it was really, really good. Um, your body remembers trauma. Unfortunately, has, yes. <laughs> Yeah. And it has these lasting effects, um, which again, to me is why this is such an important conversation to have, not just for, you know, helping ourselves, but our children that are dealing with breathing issues and ADHD and all the other symptoms that come with that and the sleeping disorders. And, um, so I'd love to chat a little bit about that. And some of the things that you learned during that podcast about, you know, how, what does that do to you? How does your body actually record and remember these things? 
Yeah. I mean, our body is this magnificent thing, right? Like there's so many mm -hmm. things that it can do and it can create and it's just, it's an amazing thing and it's so complex. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when we go through trauma, we think, okay, well, I'm done. I'm over it. It's all good. And then a couple of years later, you can be in the middle of a store and all of a sudden, like something comes up. You're like, whoa, where did that come from? It's because mm -hmm. our body and there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. I have not read it yet. It's very um, technical, I heard, yes. and kind of yeah. sciencey. And that's not necessarily my jam. So I haven't dug into it yet. Uh, but I have heard like some great things about it. And the thing is, is mm -hmm. that, yes, the body does keep the score. Even if we think that we're over it, we've shut it off. We've tried to move past it super quick. Um, it doesn't mean that it's still not stored in there. So our nervous system can be out of whack. It can be in our subconscious and maybe we just completely avoided it and we wanted to shut it off. But the truth is until we actually address it, Mm -hmm. until we do the healing around it it can show up in multiple ways it can show up in skin conditions it can show up with our moods our behavior our stress level and again some days you're like everything's good i'm great and then all of a sudden something clicks and it's like you're totally transformed back into that trauma and you're not yeah. really sure how it even comes up and so i would just tell your listeners you know especially with children who are going through these medical issues you know really work on bringing that to the surface so they're not suppressing it so that they don't have to sit hopefully in a therapist office in their 30s trying to unpack all of that because it is a right. lot of hard work <laughs> Sure. So. Sure. Yeah. And especially another thing you don't realize, um, and again, this is personal experience. You have this child that's going through this and they're getting TMJ surgery and they're going through myofunctional therapy and all these things. And, and then you take them back to a doctor and, and they suddenly start acting kind of weird and you can't figure out why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's in there. It doesn't matter what age it was, it's in there somewhere. And they don't maybe not have the the words to express. Hey, I've got some PTSD. That was super traumatic. I know I was like, hey, I can do this. And I was a little soldier through it, but yeah, that's a lot of load to carry for a, a little person. It definitely can. And when I was going through my trauma, um, I remember I had went to the doctor's office and they called me a couple days later and I had no idea what they were talking about. I completely blacked out during that. Blocked it. I was so confused a couple days later when they called me and I was like, what, what are you like? It was the craziest experience. I was like, what are you talking about? Until I like really looked at my calendar. I was like, oh my gosh, I did go to the doctors the other day and I didn't even remember anything from it. So imagine if these children are getting these medical procedures at a young age, like it doesn't mean just because they're young, they're not going to remember. It can be stored in their body still. And again, we have to try help encourage and nurture them to work through yeah. that trauma so that it doesn't come up later in life if possible. Agreed. And um, the book that you mentioned, I, I do have, I yeah. would have to go to get highly recommend it. We'll be linking it in the show notes for people because it is outstanding. Um, and it does, it, it really, like you said, it, just because you're little doesn't mean it's not in there. There's a lot yeah. in there. Um, one of the things that you're also a huge advocate for um, has to do with, you know, more natural, holistic, um, these kinds of treatments and support for your body and your mental well-being, And you talk a lot about natural options like essential oils. Mm -hmm. So for you personally, you know, why is that such an important path? 
So I actually used essential oils when I was in labor with my twins. Um, and so when I say, you know, obviously I don't know the hardships that all of your listeners go to with, go through with the, with the medical procedures and seeking medical advice for the specific issue. Uh, I remember when I was pregnant, I think we went through about seven different doctors. Like I was so adamant about being an advocate for myself and my babies, even before they were here, um, mm -hmm. because it just didn't sit right. Some of the stuff they were telling me in my gut. And so I used essential oils just because someone in my birthing class was like, I heard they can work. And I was like, I'll try anything. I'll stand on my head if I don't have to have a needle put in my back. So oh. <laughs> an epidural was always just something I was terrified of. So I used yeah. them during my labor they were amazing i was able to do an unmedicated natural birth with my twins it was great but i didn't have any support going forward about what do i do next so we kind of went back to you know our just same old same old getting stuff from the stores you know grabbing stuff off the shelves and then about when my kids were about a year old i started doing more digging into like what are we actually bringing into our homes and i was focused mostly on the physical aspects of that like all these toxins that we're bringing into our home unknowingly because we think when we go to the store and it's on the shelf everything is safe right it's right, not right. it's not um unfortunately and we can see that throughout history of products especially well-known products you know being pulled off the shelf and then they say you know oh we reformulated it and all this kind of stuff but it should be raising yeah. some red flags for you and so uh, yeah when my kids were about one we started diving more into essential oils and started just kind of replacing items in our home and at that point i thought everything was fine or good enough. I mean, I thought mm -hmm. we had the same amount of sick days as everyone else did, nothing super out of the ordinary. But then when we started using more natural products and essential oils in our home, I looked back and I was like, oh my gosh, we haven't had any sick days now. And I have more focus and I have more energy and I'm in a better mood. And so I kind of just like stood back and thought there's something to this. Like we need to start replacing more things because although mm -hmm. the physical attributes of toxins can definitely lead to illnesses um, yeah. and you know the amount of exposure we have to that and we can't we can't control everything can't we can't eliminate control. all of it yeah, yep. but we can do the best we can in our homes. Mm -hmm. And uh, but then I started learning more about, OK, well, when we're using these toxins, you know, they're they're creating unbalanced hormones and that's going to create mm -hmm. more stress that could create more weight gain that can create, again, skin, you know, issues, uh, brain mm -hmm. fog, stress, all these different things that are tied yeah. together. And so, yes, I love educating people about essential oils and how easy it is to just make these sw simple swaps um, in mm -hmm. their home to just be, again, more proactive with our health because we live in a very reactive society of it is, you know, I have a stomach ache. I'm going to go take something for it now. I have a headache. I'm going to go take something for it now or, you yes. know, whatever the case may be. Instead, if we just started taking more of those proactive um, tips, which we were kind of talking mm -hmm. about before we even started yeah. recording, you yeah. know, about how working out and things like that, those are proactive steps for our health because someone actually mm -hmm. just shared this on a meeting yesterday that a man without his health has one wish. A man with his health has a million wishes. Oh. And that really puts it because we never think wow. anything's going to happen. But then once it does, then we have to go in that reactive state versus what if we were just a little bit more proactive and that sure. encompasses mentally, physically, and emotionally. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you were talking, it's interesting. I mean, so much just goes through my mind, um, which again, I'm going to tell parents over and over, please go to your website because that's what happened when I went to your website. It's just, <laughs> I would find one thing and another thing and another thing. Um, there's a book I'm reading right now called Dirty Jeans. And that's one of the mm. things it talks about that I don't want to quote it incorrectly, but it was over a million industrial chemicals are out there. Yeah. Um, and if you go to the CAS website where they, they catalog these things, you know, just acceptable ones, there's over 350,000 in the U.S., in our homes, in the products, on the shelves, in the grocery store. You're listening to Airway First with today's guest, Angie Weber. You can find out more about the Children's Airway First Foundation and our mission to fix before six on our website at childrensairwayfirst.org. The CAF website offers tons of great resources for parents and medical professionals, including videos, blogs, our recommended reading list, comprehensive medical research, podcasts, and so much more. We also encourage parents to join the Airway Huddle, our Facebook support group, which was created for parents of children with airway and sleep-related issues. You can access the Airway Huddle support group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Airway Huddle. If you are a medical professional or parent that is interested in being a guest on our show, shoot us a note via our contacts page on our website or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. As a reminder, this podcast and the opinions expressed here are not a medical diagnosis. And now let's jump back into my interview with today's guest, Angie Weber. That's mind blowing to me. And I think about that when, you know, like conversations I've had with Dr. Susan Maples, for example, one of the things that impacts kids so strongly, allergies, and we don't think about it. But if you have a chronic allergy, guess what? Now your kid's a chronic mouth breather because their mouth's always going to be open. They can't breathe, Mm. you know, and they're going to have sleep apnea. And here we go. Now we've started the process. You have a a dysfunction that, like you said, if we just go back to the root cause. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why not try to be a little more intentional with what we bring in the home? It's just, it's again, it's that shift, right? If if we can shift, you know, the kids will be able to shift. Absolutely. And it could possibly sound really overwhelming to some of your listeners of like, oh my gosh, now I have to replace every product in my home. Yeah. You know, and you need to kind of have it as the mentality of like, if you're trying to eat healthier or maybe lose weight, if you decide I'm only eating broccoli and chicken every single day for the rest of my life, you're going to give up after about day three, or you're going to be really crabby. And uh, so the same kind of thing, if you're trying to incorporate some more of these like parenting techniques or natural products into your home like just know every little step is still a step forward you don't have to replace every single thing you can start for example with the oil breathe at night to see if that helps your child throughout the night more you know just start Mm -hmm. with one little step and then you get to decide the pace of your journey i love that 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 is huge and um yeah absolutely because otherwise it is overwhelming especially i'm finding the more you read the more you find out you're thinking oh i have so much to do Mm -hmm. um another thing that i really like that you mentioned um and i can't remember where i saw this on your website but we have to let our kids fall Mm -hmm. 
And again, I know a lot of people are like, what does that have to do with airway? I think it actually has a lot to do with it because if we're, my opinion, so focused on doing everything for them, you know, because you feel bad, they're having to go through all this airway stuff or they're having to go through monofunctional therapy. And I think there's a difference between supporting them and, and overcompensating going too far. And to me, um, this, this is a personal thing for me. I, I have always believed that you got to let them fall at home because that's where they learn. But, you know, you know, why, why, why is this something that a piece of information that you honed in on and that you, you advocate and teach to parents? Why is this so important for us as parents to be doing with our children? Yeah. 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 I absolutely love that you brought this up. So even before I started doing all the parent toolbox and parent coaching and the podcast and all that, we had went to a sermon at our church and it was all about parenting. And he was talking about the different types of parents. And of course he brought up helicopter parents, but he also brought up a new term called lawnmower parents. And yeah. And so those type of parents try to mow out every single obstacle they can for their child understandable right because we want to see our kids happy we want to see them thrive we don't want to see them suffer like i i am guilty of this sometimes where i am so protective over my kids innocence right now of their childhood where i'm like you there's so many other things that you're gonna have to worry about (laughs) as you get older like i just want you to enjoy it so you know end of school yeah have a paintball fight like i don't care like get messy do whatever you want Mm -hmm. like just enjoy it however the problem that comes in here with this, and he was explaining this sermon was actually uh, kind of triggered by an article that had come out at the time about professors from colleges getting calls from their students' parents saying, why did my kid get this grade in college? And okay. so, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Let, me, let me try to like hold my face still. I'm sorry. <laughs> Right, exactly. I had that visual reaction. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I still have my mom make me doctor's appointments sometimes when I was in college, but I never had her call a professor to see why I got a certain grade, you know, right. So the whole point of the sermon was with these lawnmower tactics, what's when we think we're doing really good for our children, what we're actually doing is we're not letting them strengthen their suffering muscle. And there is going to be a point where we are not there to mount the obstacles. So if Mm -hmm. we do not teach them the strategies and these coping skills that are healthy and safe, If we're not there, they're not going to know what to do. They are going to get rejected at some point in their life, whether it's from a job, a contest, a sport, a love interest, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. If they don't have those tools in their own toolbox to get over those failures and rejections, what are they going to do? I mean, there is a huge rise in mental health issues with children. Unfortunately, there's a huge rise in suicide among children. So if we're not having open, honest communication with them and allowing not only for them to fall and, you know, give them these tools, but also allowing them to see us fall, to know that Mm -hmm. my parent is human too. And look at, they recovered from it. I can as well. And again, being able to use these, I'm just such a huge advocate of making sure we're using safe and healthy resources versus going to these survival resources Mm -hmm. that so many of us do to numb out these issues where, 
survival resources can look a lot of different ways, but I mean, we can say drinking, smoking, gambling, bad relationships with food, all these different things. Maybe they're Mm -hmm. lashing out. They have road rage. Like let's start rebuilding our toolbox with healthy resources so that our kids can see that and develop them on their own too. So again, they don't have to rewire when they're in their twenties and thirties. Right, right, which is huge. And I'm, I will put a link in here in case parents haven't seen it. We do have it on our website. And I don't want to get it wrong. I can't remember if it was 2021. I think it might have been 2022. The Surgeon General actually put out his report and said, children's mental health is our number one focus. Yeah. Um, because again, like you mentioned, the suicide rates are so incredibly high. And the other part that is so interesting to me as, as a mom to, to see it is the depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. There's just, it's such a very, very different world. You know, I, I've caught myself so many times where I have to step back and think, okay, yeah, I did all these crazy things and, and I was an AP, all this stuff and did, you know, carry these crazy loads and worked two jobs yeah. and went to college and it's a different world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when we were able to come home, we came home, the whole world shut off. We were home. Mm-hmm. If you were lucky, you had a phone in your room, but even then, right. It's never off for them. It's constant no. with social media and FaceTime and, and you name it, it's always on yeah. and they're not sleeping. So it, we're all back to that, you know, biofunctional impact. Yeah. And they don't know yeah. how to deal with it. Yeah. And I say, I'm so glad that I did not grow up with social media. (laughs) Like there, there are so many, and I just had a conversation um, with someone the other day about this and he was actually focused a lot on Gen Z kids. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we were talking about social media and, uh, you know, we do hear a lot of bad things about social media. And one of my biggest platforms on it is don't try to overly protect your child by saying you can't have social media because it is a different world. Like, and they're just going to do it behind your back anyway. Exactly. And mm-hmm. it's also going to be incorporated into their job at some yep. point, like the future, Absolutely. like all the AI stuff coming out, like they need to be on top mm-hmm. of that. Cause that's going to have a huge impact on the career that they choose. And so mm-hmm. again, that's where these open, honest communications start happening. And you don't, you can still put boundaries and rules and expectations around these types of things. Um, mm-hmm. But we need to be able to actually talk about it with our kids versus just pretending like it's not there. And of course our mental health can be, greatly impacted by social media, but mm-hmm. I love that there's more conversations around anxiety and depression. I think that the pandemic definitely brought a little bit more to light about mental health. I've always been a huge advocate about mental health. Um, I think that we have a long ways to go still, but I love mm-hmm. that the conversations are being started. I think they just need to be identified a little bit more because I personally went into my program thinking I had really bad depression. And once I started tuning into my body, and figuring more things out. I'm like, oh, I actually have really bad anxiety. I don't have that much depression. It's anxiety that I've been feeling, Mm. but I was just mislabeling it. Right, right. And you learned uh, holistic, healthy ways to deal with it, which I think is is also hugely important, especially with these kids that are already dealing with all these other health issues. Let's not throw more on that. And we've talked a little bit about this opening communication and why it's so important. So just to explore that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, you have a child um, that, that's, you know, that, that is maybe dealing with some 
I don't know, it could be PTSD because they've had maybe TMJ or some other earlier, you know, in, in their life surgery or, or something. And they just remember it and they, or whatever it is that has set them off. And now, you know, here we are at this doorstep, they've got to go in and have myofunctional therapy or a tongue release or palate expansion, whatever it is, because as a parent though, you know, this is going to increase their health span, um, which is what we want. How do you have that kind of an open conversation? You know, it's, you know, what kind of boundaries do you set up? Because, you know, let's say you're talking to a five, six, seven year old, you don't want to terrify them either. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, open and honest kind of communication is super important to start modeling when you, when they're as young as you can, honestly, because kids are going to remember these types of things. So when I talk Mm -hmm. with parents who maybe have teenagers, they say, well, why don't they want to talk to me? I feel like something's wrong, but they won't share with me, you know, and it's because we can't expect all of a sudden this light switch to flip when they get older and they are able to, you know, all of a sudden like, oh, I'm going to go talk to mom and dad about the issues that I'm having at school, even though we've never done that before, you know, now I'm going to do it. Like we need to model that from a very young age. And so when you're dealing with children who have like medical issues and it is a scary thing, we don't want to scare them, but we also need to be honest with them. Now, one of the things is when we are having these conversations with kids, we need to stop talking. We need to listen and we Mm -hmm. need to not overshare because we get so flustered and frustrated we sit there and we think internally oh my gosh i'm really uncomfortable right now with this conversation and i'm not really sure what to say so i'm just going to word vomit all over them and then (sighs) we give them way more information than they need to know and so really you know starting a conversation of like well how are you feeling about this what do you know about it what are you worried about and just let them talk and actually it's so Mm. funny because my daughter (laughs) She's so sassy sometimes, but then she like she has these moments that I'm like, oh, it's working, it's working. And so a couple times in the last couple of weeks, she's come to me and wanted to talk to me about something. And she will tell me, she'll go, mom, just let me talk. Okay, the floor is okay. yours. All yeah. right, you got it. So, um, you know, don't overshare. We're not trying to scare them with different information, but we really need to tune into ourselves to see how we're handling the emotions of the mm-hmm. conversation because emotions are very contagious. And that's True. why it's easy to get into these kind of battles with our kids, right? Like their emotions are high our emotions start getting high, their emotions get higher, our emotions get higher. And then all of a sudden it's like two brick walls trying to go at each other and it's going to accomplish nothing. And so, like I said, validating their feelings and worries, listening and not word vomiting on them are super important so that you can continue to build that strong communication. Because if you freak out, if you yell, maybe not even because you're angry, but out of this place of fear, Like, let's say that your kid did something and in your mind, oh my gosh, they could have gotten so hurt, you know, they could have broken a bone or something could have happened. We project that onto our kids as if we're angry, but most of the time it's because we're so fearful. They're going to remember that. Sure. And the next time something happens, they're going to say, Ooh, I'm not going to go tell mom about that. Did you see how she freaked out last time about that? So again, you can still set boundaries and expectations, but we really need to be an inviting, welcoming place for them to come with our issues. And if you don't know the answer at the time, Tell that's them. okay. 
tell them, say, I'm not sure I need some time to think about this and I'm going to come back to it. We use the parking lot method a lot here. Um, mm-hmm. So if my kids come to you with a question um, and I'm not sure how to answer it or if it's right before bedtime and, you know, we feel like they're just trying to get out of bed every two seconds to ask us something, we'll say, you know what, we're going to put this in the parking lot until tomorrow and then we'll come back to it. Mm-hmm. So we'll revisit it then. I love that. Yeah. And I would and I would add to this because Another thing I would think uh, this this would apply. You're going to these doctor visits with your child and they're nervous. Mm-hmm. Don't oversell it either. Don't be this like crazy hype woman. It's going to be great. It's going to be blah, 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 blah. Just yeah. maybe let them have those feelings. And to me, I would think if you can see that, maybe you're in the car with them or something on the way, that would be a good time to express instead of over sharing or hyping them up too much. How are you feeling? And talk to them a little bit before. Yeah. And even asking them like specific questions of like, you know, are, is anything happening in your body right now? Is your is your stomach tight? Are you are you kind of fidgety? Like kind of doing a deeper dive because we also have to educate our kids on their emotional vocabulary. They're not born with mm. it. We weren't born with right. it. And so we right. really need to work on how can we start identifying these different emotions and things in our children by helping them understand it a little bit more. And I was driving my daughter to a birthday party the other day and she had asked me if I was going to stay. And I was like, well, no, I'm going to come back home because she wouldn't have noticed if I was there anyways. Like she's such a social right. butterfly. But I just got this sense that she was kind of worried about something. So when we were driving there, I said, you know, Addie, are you anxious about going to this party? And she goes, well, mom, what does that mean? And so I said, oh, you know, like how we looked in that book one time and like sometimes our stomach can get tight, maybe get kind of flushed. Um, maybe you want to move a lot. Your your brain is racing. You have a lot of thoughts coming to you. And so we just started kind of listing off like some things that could be happening within our body to start signaling that we're anxious. And then she was like, oh, yeah, that happens to me sometimes. I think I do get anxious sometimes. So again, we just have to work on them with maybe not just doing a blanket statement of, are you angry? Are you sad? Are you depressed? But like trying to dig in a little bit more so they can better identify their emotions too. I do love that. And I, I will I will say uh, a personal opinion. One of the things I've, I've gleaned from several of the podcasts I've listened to is I've always run with the philosophy, I'm raising adults. That's my goal. That's the end of the day. I'm raising adults. If I do my job right, successful adults in the real world. Yeah. And um, you've had a lot of guests that, to me, kind of speak to that. And it, it, what made me think of that just then is they don't understand the words sometimes. Are you anxious? So, you know, you have to empower them. You have to arm them. That also goes back to let them fall. Mm-hmm. You're in this safe little zone at home, but then teach them the, you know, how to cope, how to move on. Um, and I would think the same thing goes with, you've got all these doctor visits, you've got a, an airway disorder that hasn't been picked up until maybe teenage or the early 20s, yeah. they're going to have to learn to cope with it. So you've got to work yeah. with them to do that. And I know also as parents, you talk a lot about you know, stress and how we can relieve our own stress. So what are just a couple of tips you can think of for parents that we're in that zone you know, our child just got diagnosed. We're really stressed. We're kind of freaking out. What are some good tips for parents to help reset? First of all, feel all the feels like ride the wave of emotion. Don't try shut it down. Don't try to 
stuff it down because it's uncomfortable. I mean, I can't imagine all the emotions that come up with a diagnosis like this. And so allow yourself the grace to ride that emotion. That emotional wave is the first thing. Um, breathing techniques are definitely underrated. Uh, there is a study out there and I don't, I can't quote it exactly, um, but it said that about like seven uh, deep breaths is equivalent to like an anti-anxiety medication. So again, mm -hmm. our body's amazing and spectacular and we can start doing some of these things right in the moment and start trying to kind of practice them throughout other times too, not just when you're in these heightened emotions, but just try start practicing them so that it comes a little bit more easy to you in those times that you really do need them. So again, you can do breathing, you can start just really kind of paying attention and observing, giving yourself grace, riding that emotional wave until you feel like you've kind of ended it, um, you know, talking with someone. There are so many different things that they can do, and it's going to be different for everyone. You know, like mine might be completely different than what you use to help calm down. And it's just kind of picking and choosing those safe, healthy outlets to be able to bring us back to our sweet spot. Um, mm -hmm you know, versus again, just trying to suppress it. So, and essential oils, of course, are great too, because of how they work with right. our brain. Um, yeah. Our smell is one of our strongest scents. And so when we smell a pure essential oil, it works with our olfactory bulb that sends signals to the part of our brain that deals with the moods and emotions. And so finding, you know, lavender or serenity or whatever is your kind of go-to, um, which is actually really helpful too. I know that you brought up before, like, well, what if a child goes into a hospital room and you know all of a sudden they're triggered it might be because of the smell of the room and that mm. is called aromatic anchoring and we can actually create new anchors within our brain through essential oils and aromatic anchoring and so one of my favorite scents it's a blend from doTERRA it's called adaptive and so when we start smelling that and creating this calmness the more frequently we do that we can actually start creating anchors and so we have maybe some negative ones like if we smell the sterileness of a hospital room it might trigger us back into you know when we were in there before for a surgery but we can also create our own now and we can create a calming one with different essential oils so that it can help again bring you back to that sweet spot more effectively mm, i love that i i that's that's a great idea um and i want to make sure i get this right on your website you've got several downloads that you know parents can access um one of them included steps for helping with emotional chaos in your home. And I won't do a spoiler alert for all of them. But <laughs> what it, one of them was try, mess up, and try again. Yes. And I, I really wanted to hone in on that one because as parents of children going through all, all of these things, man, the mom guilt, you feel like, mm -hmm. you know, I know I'm not the only one because the, your moms yeah. talk about it you feel like, wow, I really, I, I just totally messed that one up or, oh, that was just anxiety for the doctor visit. I didn't catch it. Oh, I should have caught it. You know, how do we, how do we get rid of this mom guilt that we're all yeah. running around with? You know, I was talking to someone one time and she said, my biggest fear is that I'm going to mess up my kids. And I looked at her and I said, you are like, you're going to do something that they're gonna come back and be like, I can't believe you did that. Like 
There is no perfect parent. I say the only perfect parent is the parent who doesn't actually have kids because they have all the answers, right? Until you get in the depths of it and you're like, you know, those things that you said, I'll never do that. And now your, you know, kid is sitting in front of a screen for a half hour because you need a break. I mean, there is something that we're probably going to mess up on. No one is perfect. And that goes back Mm -hmm. to the letting them fall, letting them see you fall. And so with this mom guilt, especially kind of circling back to social media again too is we see the highlight reels of everyone's life oh yeah excellent so point we are constantly in this comparison trap of like well so and so down the road they just went on this really amazing vacation and then they got these family pictures done and they're all matching and yada 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 like you don't know what's going on behind closed doors you don't know the type of relationship that a picture on instagram shows Mm-hmm. So we need to get out of this comparison trap, first of all. And there is a lot of shooting that happens in mom life as well. And we need mm-hmm. to stop shooting on ourselves because from the moment you find out you're pregnant, everyone loves to give you advice yeah. from everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden you are overloaded with, oh, I need to do this. I don't do that. I need to get this thing out. Oh, I know, but I but I don't need that. And we just need to decide as a family, how do we want to operate and stand confident in that? Like, yes, we can always learn new things. We can always add new things to our toolbox, but stand in that confidence and know that if you are trying to do better for your kids, you are already such a great mom and you should not be comparing yourself to anyone else. Because again, it's what you decide for your family, your values, your mission that you have for them. And so try mess up and try again, we're not going to get this stuff perfect. I still lead with emotion sometime with my kids. I told you when we were camping, I was like super frustrated and I probably yelled a little bit. We're not going to do everything 100% of the time perfect because we're not a Stepford wife. Like we're not a robot. Like Mm -hmm. we're going to mess up. And so just kind of keeping that in mind that you're doing such a great job and give yourself again, a little bit of that grace and don't be afraid to go back to your kids and let them know that you're sorry, or you did something wrong. I do that all the time with my kids. Hey guys, mom's really sorry that she yelled. And next time I'm going to try a breathing exercise before I get to that point, you know, like have a game plan, Mm -hmm. go back and apologize, show them empathy, show them that it's okay to say sorry. And again, just try to get out of that comparison trap because otherwise you are going to be suffering from mom guilt all the time. Absolutely. And I love that you advocate apologizing and explaining to your children because again, it's a life skill. This is what we're teaching them. We all make mistakes. It happens. Mm -hmm, Exactly. I love that. So one of the things I like to do at the end of every podcast is I hand the floor back over to our guests because whatever the topic is, you know, y'all are the experts. So I would like to leave you with your last words for, for our listeners. Well, I so appreciate you having me on and sharing some of this information. I'm just so passionate about helping parents because of this mom guilt and especially the mental load of moms. Like that is something that I don't think that gets talked about enough, especially if you have a child who has medical issues. You're not only the taxi driver, the schedule maker, the bill payer, the, you know, food preparer, the, you know, whatever it is, like you have all of these things on your, on your mind and the mental load can be so exhausting and can burn you out and a lot of that has to also do with boundaries and so that's 
I feel like that kind of gets talked about a lot with moms is, well, you just need to have boundaries. You just need to have boundaries. But I think the conversation doesn't go further enough or far enough because there are three different types of boundaries that you can have. You can be underbounded, which is where a lot of us moms fall, me included, because we think, well, I need to do everything for everyone to be that super mom. It's actually one of the like my husband it tries to be really sweet and call me super mom and it drives me nuts i hate it because i'm like you are putting this expectation standard on me that i feel like i can yeah, never let anything to drop mm-hmm. exactly so we have this underbounded which again is where a lot of moms fall then we have our overbounded and i think that's where the issue is with a lot of people who start placing boundaries in your life to keep some of your own sanity and to just feel less of that mom guilt and so underbounded you're saying yes to everything overbounded you are shutting everything out you're like it's my way or the highway i'm the only one who matters and so i see this happen a lot where people swing from one end to the extreme of the other and where we really want to be is this healthy flexible where everything is fluid we know that we can put boundaries in place and they may change over time maybe that's with relationships maybe that's with your time if you're driving to doctor's appointments all the time medical procedures things like that like It's okay to tell people no right now. This is a season of our life Mm -hmm. and we have to be protective over our time. So we can't come to the eight barbecues that we were invited (laughs) to over the summer. Right. Um, You know, and just that might change, you know, in a couple of years. But right now, that's where you're at. So I do encourage boundaries. I just want people to be careful about placing them so that they don't go from one extreme to the other and do just as much harm as they were feeling in the first place. So I guess that would be my extra little tip. I think that's awesome. That is awesome. And again, thank you so much for coming on. And I will put the links in the show notes. I cannot recommend your website and the Parent Toolkit enough to parents. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks again to today's guest, Angie Weber, for sharing her story and her insights. And to each of you for listening to today's episode. If you're new to our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review or comment telling us about what you enjoyed most. You can stay connected to the Children's Airway First Foundation by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Parents can also join us via our Facebook parent support group, The Airway Huddle, at facebook.com backslash groups backslash airway huddle. Looking for a little bit more from CAF? Then check out our YouTube channel. You can find a variety of informative original video content pieces, as well as video recordings and excerpts from selected Airway First podcast episodes. If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for an upcoming episode, shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website, or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. And finally, thanks to all the parents and medical professionals out there that are working to help make the lives of kids around the globe just a little bit better. Take care, stay safe, and happy breathing, everyone.